Welcome to another edition of Practitioner Radio, Pink Elephant's podcast for the IT management community. Hey, it's Chris, and I'm back with another episode of Practitioner Radio. Troy, you're my host, and we're actually on episode five. Can you believe it? My goodness, time flies. Yeah. Speaking of time, in in the paradigm of audio and podcasting, right now we are physically at the conference, even though we're not. I know. Well, it's a week out, but my mind is already there. In fact, it has been for a couple of weeks. Yeah, it's, it's going to be a pretty exciting conference. And I think you've got, I don't even know how many sessions you're hosting. Uh, did they give you time to eat? There is one day where I actually have lunch <laughs> off and I think I have a, a dinner engagement. Nice, nice. So Troy, uh, last time we left off on Practitioner Radio episode four, we were talking about uh, um, change and service level agreements and and. Uh, all the things involved, we've done a really good job of relating one process to another. Um, but my big takeaway from that was risk. Um, and I just wanted to see, since today we're kind of touching on release management, are we going to be talking more about risk because it scares me? No, absolutely. We have to because the, the release concepts, the change types uh, that we talked about in the last show, the release types we're going to talk about today, there's a direct correlation. So when I think of a major change, I've got to think about a major type of release and I have to correlate the two models together. Does this, could we actually go back and to your uh, quote about categorization and saying it, it's the same no matter what it is across all the uh, processes and say your urgency and impact priority for a release? Could you, is there such a concept? Well, absolutely. I have a post that I'll, I'll link to in the show notes that talks yep. about, uh, it's classified actually. I'm not just you know, being facetious, it's talking about classification. And it talks about certain policies and classification structures that have to span multiple processes. Well, this is mm-hmm. one of those. The concept of classification of change type and release type need to be correlated. So a major change, something that requires some you know high poobah executive to sign off in a you know large review would be a large release, maybe a project, you know, from that perspective. So I have to kind of get my authority requirements as well as now release production uh, assurance requirements lined up. And we're going to talk about how to do that in this session. Cool. As far as the processes go, um, it, from your blog, uh, to quote directly, the ITIL or release management seems to be one of the most commonly misunderstood processes. Do you have any maybe thoughts around why that is? It certainly is. In fact, my experience is that most organizations really don't have a good sense of what release is. They usually confuse release and change together. The, the concept of you know, making the decision whether it's good enough to move to production versus the approval of the scheduled change, they, they get conflicted. And you often find in an early maturity stage, organizations put them together, and it happens in one meeting, which, of course, is not practical. Right. So I, I guess, could we role play a little bit? Sure. <laughs> so, I mean, you've got me thinking, because my misunderstanding of these things is, is, is probably on a scale that would be considered epic. Um, but in, in a classic organization where let's just take, you know, what I would call my, my mind and kind of talk out loud and you can help bend me in the right direction. It, it, we've got a piece of code where we could, we have a piece of internal software that we use. Um, and we want to make some modifications to it. Um, and we've decided, okay, this is a high enough issue 
uh, maybe we've detected this via problem management, that we can now maybe consider moving this into for change consideration. Where and when is release involved versus change, since I so commonly confuse those two things? Okay, so let me just set a couple of points of clarification. Yep. So let's consider that change, in a nutshell, is about the approval and the coordination of the change. And if you remember last week, we talked about the fact that the change has two minimum level of approvals. One, conceptual approval. You know, yep. I can do this thing. And then a second approval at some point later down the line where I ask the question, can I now put it into production? Okay. Gotcha. Release happens between those two pieces. So someone Ooh. gives you the flag, yes, go buy. Yes, you can build. Yes, you can start the project. And then release will start its activity on making sure that by the time I get to that next question of can I move it live, I can now qualify categorically that this thing is ready to move to production. So there's a, a concept where the release happens after the conceptual approval, and then there's a checkpoint right before we now go for the approval to promote to production. Now, we're not quite done because the process has that second component called deploy, right? Right. Because that's the ITIL version 3 gift to us. It actually gives us uh, in the name itself, kind of a hint, there's two parts to this. Release, all pre-prod stuff. It says, here are all the stuff you need to make sure it happened before you move to production. And then once you get the nod from change, now deploy, package, and move into production. It's got two different parts. You know, I think that's, that's a very important differentiator because so many people who, um, on another podcast, we had someone on who was talking about how, you know, they had not practitioner radio, but another one, uh, how V2 was everything they've ever needed. But that's a huge differentiator uh, between V2 and V3 with release and deploy versus just release. I mean, for the longest time, uh, actually until just now, I always considered it kind of be a, a serial uh, chain. So it was an incident, then it became a problem, then it became a change request, and then the change finished up and we, re- and we released it. But the way you explained it just now, there's almost a, a swim lane uh, duality to change and release going on at the same time. Absolutely, there is. And uh, to give you a bit more correlation, that, you know, V2 actually had this in it, but most people didn't catch on. Right. And that was the, the problem. Part of be, partly because their own maturity you know, was focused more on the change push. Um, but the other part was it just was a, a political hot potato because consider that most of the release activity, not all, but most, happens pre-prod right, before I move to production. That means you have to involve people like app dev and project management as well as operations. And so everyone has to kind of get together and say, here are the things we agree need to happen before we move this production. And that's that's a big challenge for many shops, is that agreement on production assurance stages. You know, that brings up another interesting concept, because I always like to think about the people who are clamoring on new technology whether it be collaborative or social media or cloud technologies. But cloud in this instance for app dev really doesn't change our process at all. It just gives us another place to do functions within that process. Indeed it is. We've always lived in a multi-provider model, right? Right. I think we made that comment last time. We need to keep making that comment. (laughs) We've always lived in a multi-provider model. Some of those services being provided internally, always having services outside that's that's a that's yeah. a key point. It is. There's so, there's so much cloud fud, and it's it's no different than having. Well, think about it this way: when you when you had your application in a hosted environment from a third party, they were coming to you via the cloud because they were coming through you know the internet. 
regardless, right. you know, if they were named a cloud provider or not, they were literally providing services through your firewall. Well, I guess, you know, it, the deviation would be, I, we had a chat with Rodrigo Flores, uh, co-author with you, I think on the Source Catalog book, yeah. one and two. Yeah. Yep. Um, and he was talking about how easy it is just to provision a server now, you know, by Amazon. Um, I think it's EC2, I'm, I'm not sure of the name. Uh, and that that's, everyone should do that just once just to get their feet wet. And it kind of makes you wonder, I guess if there's any deviation from the way we used to do things to now, the request, the service request to have a server provisioned could be considered a little bit different now because I guess the app dev person could just do it on their own and bypass what we used to have to get done internally, maybe. Well, through runbook automation or automated provisioning, yeah, you yeah. can simply you know, turn a switch and you suddenly have a, a new virtual device. That's it's the ease of Ease of provisioning and the speed of provisioning is the massive change here. Wow. The ease of provisioning. See, there you go. Another golden nugget. That could have been at the Thunderbolt tip of the day. Um, <laughs> so back to uh, our, our release management chat. Um, so we've got these two swim lanes going on. Of The conceptual was that, okay, yes, we're going to conceptually agree to do this versus the move to prod. Let's talk about some of the stages in the release once it gets past the conceptual and we actually get this release, you know, keeper of the rings team together or how do we start that process? Okay. Well, let's start by going back one step and talk about different release types. Okay. Okay. So could you imagine with me, Chris, that we have, not all releases are equal in the eyes of, uh, you know, the IT God here. There are big things which have major complex parts to them, and then there are small things and there are urgent things. Does that make sense so far? Totally. So that means not all releases are created equal. You know, and it comes back to risk as well as effort. So let's consider that the first thing an organization has to do is define their release types by this risk slash uh, concept. So I, have, I might call major releases projects. Why not? That's what we usually call them. Because the project is something we usually tag a line on that's big. The next thing I might do is say I have a medium release and it kind of has these qualifications. I have a minor release, it might be a standalone system. And then I have an urgent release. Sounds very familiar to the change model, right? You you kind of have this fit for purpose, big to small concept defined. Correct. Are you with me so far? Yeah. Then then go back to the concept of what is release trying to do. Release is trying to assure that things that move to production are ready for prime time and that they get there and they don't blow up. So to do that, I have to ask a few people about their opinion on what that means. So I, I go around and I, I look around at my stakeholders. You know, there's the development group. There's stakeholder, of course. They're the, probably the builder. There's quality assurance. There's production support. There's the, the data center guys. There's the knock. There's service desk. There's the customer. You know, God forbid we wouldn't ask the customer what production <laughs> you know, value looks like. And we, we literally, you know, security, audit, you know, the, the list goes on. I literally go around and with my, you know, pad here, capture what they deem as production ready. What kind of things do each of these groups need? And of course, I'm going to come back with what? This huge shopping list. Can you can you envision that at this point, what they're all going to say? Yeah, I'm still envisioning a Stenopad. <laughs> I know, that's an ancient technology. It's, it's still one of my favorite, though. I, it, most of my stuff comes out on that. So, yeah, so when, let's jump back a, a little bit and talk. You were going around to all these groups. Are you actually meeting with them and talking about what you're proposing or what their requirements are for defining production ready. 
So when you're meeting with a customer and you're talking about that sort of thing, and obviously to do that, you'd have to be a somewhat maybe mature organization or not. I don't know. Do a lot of organizations take time to meet customers and ask their opinion of production ready definitions? Well, we'd hope that they would have done so before they even began the design of the new system, right? They've defined right. the functional and non-functional requirements. So, you know, production ready for that customer will actually meet the design requirements. And we'll, we'll do some testing on that at various gotcha. points in the release. And then at the end, when there's actually, you know, we're in production, we're doing user acceptance testing and then final sign-off. That's pretty easy to understand. But think about security, right? What are they looking for? They're looking at, um, that you know, that controls are put in place and application controls exist that you can't just cut yourself a nice check uh, and then send yourself to Barbados for a vacation because you're <laughs> you have separation of duties. Uh, quality yeah, assurance yeah. is looking for testing validation statistics. Production uh, support is looking for the knowledge management articles they need to support this damn thing when it goes live, right? They all have their list of things that they they would deem necessary before we say this is ready to go. But the challenge is, um, when we don't have release, we ask every time, and the project manager goes around trying to collect these each time. But let's imagine for the moment, we actually did this proactively. We went to each of them on our steno pad, captured all their list of items. But here we have literally a hundred different requirements. Oh my gosh, that seems overwhelming. It is. Now, but the thing is that those hundred requirements may make perfect sense for a major project, but Chris, do they make sense for a minor release? That's the question. No. No. And so the next step after you go through this kind of gathering of requirements by group is to then begin your negotiation. <laughs> okay, guys, yeah, we, we understand all the stuff applies to projects, but about medium, and a medium is defined like this, right? Can I, can I drop it down to 75 things? Okay, good, we got that, 75 things. About, how about a minor? 25 basic things need to be in place. You know, you had to put the code into the depository and you relabel it and, and you reversion it. Okay, that's, that's part of my 25 for minor. Uh, but what about the urgent release? What basic five things must I always cover before I, I can say this is ready? So you literally, this is the finessing of this, kind of upfront, define your release types, and then you bring your list of requirements down based on risk, right? For fit for purpose, based on what kind of release we're talking about. So you don't have a hundred pages of handover documentation to do for every release. That's that's ludicrous, right? So I mean, the, the real takeaway here is you collect this information, but you use it to negotiate and define the level. That's right, and and, and then decide what exactly would be the fit for purpose uh, design spec or process and moving forward. Now, now it's important who defined the requirements. Was it release management themselves? Yeah, I didn't want to get into the who part. I thought that would get sticky, but. Do you want to talk about that? Yeah. Like, is it the release manager who defines what production ready means? Well, from your definition so far, I would think no, but I don't know the answer. You're right. Because release management is a governance role. It doesn't define goodness. It gathers requirements and defines it based on the input of the key stakeholders. Release management is a governance issue. Gotcha. That's right. That's important as a takeaway, folks. This is not the release builder we're talking about here, but the release manager. Right. So let's play a scenario, right? You're the release builder. You come to me, I'm the release manager, and you, you tell me, tell me about your project, Chris. Tell me about your release, and you, and you tell me some stuff about it, right? And I, oh, yeah, that sounds like a medium release. So before you even begin your activity of design and development, before it's a glint in your eye, I hand you the 25 things you must finish before you get to the gate to go to production. Right? So you, the release manager is making sure it goes into the right stream, if you will. 
and then make sure at the end uh, all the things have been checked. That is, I mean, there is, I, I would imagine the support supporting documentation around this process would be pretty amazing. Are there best practices, I guess, on creating this documentation or or when you're, you know, you, we, we talked about a steno, steno pad, but how do most organizations gather these requirements of what production ready is from folks? Do they have predefined templates and notepads or, or is that just something they do with a consultant? I mean, that seems, help me here. <laughs> yeah, no problem. All right. So it starts off as a list of requirements, right? So that's bullet form. Right. But those list of requirements kind of take the shape of different things. Sometimes it's actually a test, a software test. Uh, and there's a results document that says it, it succeeded in past. Sometimes it takes the form of um, a service desk knowledge article. Sometimes it takes the result, uh, the form of uh, a signed off user acceptance testing. So the actual um, criteria, how it looks in the end, will depend on what requirement we're talking about. Well, I mean, you just gave me three perfect examples there. So at least my head is a, a little bit more around it now than thinking what I was thinking, you know, 20 minutes ago, which is, oh, release management. That just means that we successfully pushed out a patch update. <laughs> And that's more like the deploy part. Yeah, well, we haven't got there yet. We're still at the release piece, that, that yeah, I know. pre-prod piece. Well, I was, I was, that's, how, that's how silly and, and, and uneducated I am. Okay, so we've got all our ducks in a row. We know that the release manager isn't making this, this call, that it's a governance issue. What's going to happen next? All right, so it, the, the day has come, Chris. It's ready to go live, right? And let's say the... The release builder worked according to the process. The release manager gave them the criteria right at the beginning of the concept of uh, the release build. They've now gone through the the build phase. They've gone through the test and validation phase. Now they're ready to move it live. So let's envision a change meeting. You're at the change meeting. You're a part of the cab, okay? And uh, you're the change manager. And you ask me, ask me, Troy, is this release ready to go? Release manager. Troy, is this release ready to go? You know what? I have been working with the release builder, and I can attest to you that all of the requirements defined by our stakeholders have been completed. So yes, Saturday night still looks good if I have access to that window. Okay, so what has just happened here? Who has who has defined... Well, I'm scared because I've never been... Uh, <laughs> Well, I've never been a release manager till just this you moment. Just did, yeah. Well, actually, you were the change manager here. I was the release <laughs> oh, yeah, manager. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sorry. But who between us? Who defined production ready? The change manager or the release manager? Who was the definitive voice? Well, production ready was was defined by that. You said the change manager. Well, it was defined by the release manager. You're right. Now here, you just hit the biggest issue most organizations have. Most organizations have something called change. It's more like change control from our last discussion. Right. But they're also in this meeting trying to attest the production readiness of it. But think about that, right? This is a meeting. It's going live this weekend. Most of the requirements have been happening all the way from concept through design, build, test. It's way too late to ask the question production ready. But that's what they do. In one meeting, they try to ask, you know, did we do enough of that? Did we do enough of this? Did we talk to this people? Did we do that training? I've, I, I've seen those meetings and that's how they oh. go down. That's why I'm kind of just, I'm starting to think I need to start paying you to participate in this podcast because I love this. Oh my gosh. Because that's not the way I understood it. At, think about the length and the, the bureaucracy of that meeting, let alone the ineffectiveness, right? Yeah. Really, it should go like this. 
Change manager says to release manager, release manager, are you good? Release says, I am good. All things are good. All I's have been dotted. T's crossed. Builder has completed all requirements. Go for it. And that's where change says, you are now approved to go live. That kicks off the next part of the process. Now I have that flag in place. The deployment piece picks it up, whether that's push or pull or package. Literally, I have been given the green light by change coordination to move into production. And now I deploy. Troy, when it comes to deployment, since that's the piece I think I I often confuse most with release management. Um, In your blog article, you talk about um, uh, the goal of release uh, management includes the assurance of quality and production readiness. And you say the deployment, and you talk about any new, obviously that would make sense to me, or modified, okay, that makes sense, I'm still there, I am still get it, element being introduced to the customer environment. Yeah. So so I guess this is a, this is a biggie now that we're with deployment. Have we at some point defined in our strategies and our meetings and our initiatives what a customer environment is? Okay, well, that really depends on the scope of your process. So that can change. But in my right. experience, most will have change and release over their production, though some will extend that into development as well. Uh, depends sometimes about the you know the environment you're in, if it's external, et cetera. So I guess are there examples of change and release management that don't have that affect the customer environment that aren't physically tied to a piece of equipment? Well, that are not physically tied to a piece of equipment. Let me think about that. So yeah, I guess when I'm thinking about because I you know I'm I'm reading verbatim here. I'm not I'm not gonna tell anyone I'm, I'm cheating. It says any the goals of release management, any new or modified element right. being introduced live into the customer environment. So I guess from an IT perspective, could there be things from IT's point of view that are in the live customer environment that aren't physically tied to a machine but are IT related. Well, I think the key is the new piece of that definition you just read. Right. So let's let's play through a scenario, right? So you you've got companies that are doing Windows 7 migrations, finally they're getting off of their XP platforms now. So when I'm going to conceivably push forward a new image, this is new. It's not a standard item in my environment. Uh, Windows 7, there might be a few machines maybe that have snuck through, but it's not my approved standard. So it's a new image I have to create. So it goes through the whole release cycle from concept through design, through build, validate, test, move to production, right? But let's say I, I have this concept now where I've put my new image through release process. I've piloted successfully a, um, a department or a new branch now I've tested that that image is successful and has not blown up and is not causing issues. Now, right. to do the rest of the branches, I don't have to engage release management anymore because production assurance has been attested. Now it's just change and deploy. So I want to do a new branch or a new, a new PC. It's a standard image. It's, it's, it's approved to be in production. I'm not really now engaging the release part again until I've now modified that image adding, you know, the next office package because that's a modification to the standard image. I, I think where my confusion was, is, and you just cleared it up because I was working through it in my head as you were saying it, is the word customer because that customer could be someone, I'm, I'm always thinking that customer is someone in accounting, but that person in accounting might not care about the release process about adding additional storage. We're not going to check with them to find out what their concept of re- production ready is in that con- in that 
context. Well, you, you've hit another major discussion. We might have to have a, just another another uh, session okay. on this. But, <laughs> but who is who I'm is my, thinking, okay, yeah. Here's the question: Who is my customer? Because that changes over time. Yeah. Uh, there's actually about four answers to that question. All of them right all the time, and it depends on mm-hmm. you know your perspective. Because the first customer you're usually aware of is another IT group. You know, infrastructure has an application customer, IT to IT. Then I have this concept of a customer that's business unit. That's the guy you just talked about, right? Yeah. That's the guy I always think about. I don't know why. And that's and that's the definition and idol of a customer. But there's another customer which is the external external customer of your of your bank. So right. you know, we talk about services, all those customers exist all the time, depending on the context of you know the service we're discussing. And I guess I guess that you could even do a little bit more mind bending and say that all three of those people could be the same entity at any one given time, depending on where they're touching the service at. Yes. You got it. Wow. It's like enlightenment. Every time I chat with you, I feel like I'm on a mountaintop <laughs> with a with a bell ringing or something. <laughs> we have uh, paradise within paradigms. <laughs> oh, don't go there. Uh, we'll paint a little happy tree here. Um, well, that is just... Uh, okay, so we've got this deployment. Um, we, we've got, we, uh, is there a, a concept of a deployment manager and a, and a deployment architect? You know, you're just you're just you're feeding me these lines. You're you're great. No, I'm not. I, <laughs> I literally I'm, I'm learning them right on the spot. That's the whole idea of practicing the radio is I, I get taught alive. You get to hear me just be outrageously dumb and get taught in real time. That's all, that's what we're all about. Well, think about it this way: release component pre-production is a governance role, right? Right. The actual deployment is actually more of classical functional, where I'm actually building a package and I'm pushing it or deploying it. And it's very frequently that you'll find those are two different groups. One process, two different groups to do both parts of the process. It's also, for some organizations, uh, a legal requirement to have a separation of duty. The people who actually move things to production cannot be related to those that are building it or even associating or establishing the production assurance. Well, maybe we should have had these uh, ITIL rules involved uh, over at AIG a few years ago. (laughs) Because they didn't keep their duties separated. No, and uh, it is it is hard because, as you know, we have a lot of legacy crossover of those roles. Yeah. I mean, that would be really difficult because some people might say, well, that's all fine and good, Chris and Troy, but I just don't have the manpower to have that type of separation. I don't know. It's a true statement. I mean, you know, you have five or ten people IT shop. How do you how do you make this happen? How do you how do you do it right but also separate the roles? It's difficult. Yeah. No easy answer. Yeah. But you've dealt with this before. You've dealt with customers in that very spot. Your senior uh, analyst to, to, in this sort of thing, you've done this type of consulting. So it, just to keep it short and sweet, there is a way you can get around this. You don't have to hire 15 new people. That's right. The key All is right. here is the, is the concept of the release governance cannot be the release builder. All right. That's a separation of duty. Yep. The, the deployment piece can be the release manager as long as they're not associated with the build concept because they they don't have emotional attachment to the build themselves. They're the one trying to attest whether it's ready for prime time. But the builder and the release manager role, release process role has to be separate. That's different. So this governance idea along with risk really, really starts to take hold in my mind when dealing with this concept of release and deploy. Yeah. It's so important. The, that's the biggest boom to change management because if you can actually extract out of the change meeting conversation the whole quality assurance production readiness discussion, do that proactively, that makes those change meetings much more efficient, less 
onerous, less a pain to go to. Yeah, I, w- I would want to go to a change meeting if they were run like we've described so yeah, far. Yeah, because it's, it's all about facts and information. And if we don't have enough facts, we de- delay the decision until next week when we have the uh, I's dotted, the T's crossed. Troy, we're at that, uh, we could go on for an hour, but we're, I'm so, we're, we're, at, the, we're at the top of our, our show here. You know what that means, Troy, don't you? I know what it means. Troy, it is time for your Thunderbolt tip of the day. Okay, Chris, remember, release and deployment, two different parts of the process. Release is production assurance, governance that attests it's ready to go prime time. Deployment is after the change approval to promote is the one that packages and pushes to the organization. Two separate and distinct aspects of a single process with different goals, even maybe different roles. Troy, amazing. Uh, again, I, people should have to just pay hard currency to listen to this show. Uh, <laughs> yeah, we'll give you our uh, account numbers and you can deposit as well. Yeah, something right to uh, write that <laughs> check out to Troy Dumoulin and Chris Dancy. And yeah, sorry. Troy, thank you so much. Uh, I've got a world of new education and I look forward to next week and, and moving on and look forward to, gosh, right now we're somewhere at the conference. So uh, hope you all come out and see Troy. If you listen to Practitioner Radio, say hi to Troy and thank him for all of his hard work. Brilliant, Troy, once again. It's it's almost like your blog comes to life each week. Thank you, Chris. See you in Vegas. See everyone in Vegas. Take care. Bye-bye.